Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this episode might be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Lindsay Schlegel, who is a wife, a mother of four, of four kids, a podcaster on the Breadbox Media platform with her podcast, Quote Me, and an author, the author of the book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You, and other parenting lessons that brought me closer to God. So I'm happy to discuss those parenting lessons with Lindsay today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, it's a, a great joy to have a fellow Ave Maria author. So your book was published by Ave Maria Press, and I wrote a book back in 2017, I think, for Ave Maria uh, called A Heart Like Mary's. And just a, a few weeks ago, they had a little happy hour where all of the authors came together on a Zoom call, and they kind of just shared about the company and how they're faring and just really bringing together authors to, to collaborate, to to talk and converse and to support one another in the times that we find ourselves. So in your book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You and Other Parenting Lessons That Brought Me Closer to God, it's, it's a very beautiful book. And I'd invite people, of course, if you're a mother, to, uh, to acquire this book and to learn the lessons that Lindsay has learned. Um, but I know that I've given this book away for Christmas gifts to some of the, the parents of, of Catholic families in my parishes. And, and some of them have found it to be a very enlightening uh, take on parenting and really taking those lessons, those sayings that we say to children, and then applying them to the spiritual life. And, and of course, I think that what happens is these are the very same phrases that maybe you heard, that we've all heard when we were children growing up, and now you find yourself saying them to your own children and, and now trying to figure out what that means, not only for them, but for yourself. Would you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for sharing it. Um, I realized in a, in a stage of, I think my, my oldest kids were four and two, and I realized I don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, and I felt like I needed some more spiritual growth. I needed some some kind of grace. I knew I couldn't do the whole parenting thing. Even my husband and me together, we couldn't do it on our own. Um, and I realized that the phrases that were coming out of my own mouth were what I needed to hear. And I needed to be more patient, and I needed to stop whining. I needed to go to bed on time. I needed to eat good meals. All these things that I want for my children. I realized that God wants these things for me, um, my being his daughter and he being my father, um, but even more so and perfectly and because he loves us so greatly. And I think really being a mother has helped draw me closer to God because it's my vocation. You know, I'm sure I would imagine you'd say the same, right? Like being a priest, that's your vocation. That is how God is calling to you. And my motherhood is how God is calling to me. And when I recognize that and when I let him in a little bit more and stop trying to carry so much of it on my own, it didn't get easy, but it got easier. And I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't on my own. God, God's been with me every step of the way through this parenting. Um, and as much as my parenting is about drawing my children closer to the faith and teaching them about Jesus and our blessed mother and the church, it's also about my formation. Like my husband and I are not done because we're adults, you know, and people get confirmed and then, you know, the joke is that they don't come to mass ever again. But I think even those of us who did keep coming back after confirmation or who found the church again later, we can still kind of get to a point and think that we are adults and we have somehow arrived and it is what it is now. And that's not the case. There's always room for a closer relationship with our Lord. 
Yeah, you know, you talk about yourself as a mother saying these phrases and how you needed to live them, how you needed to hear them for yourself. And I realize that as a preacher, that when I stand up before a congregation or right now because of the coronavirus and quarantine life, uh, before a camera on Facebook Live, uh, that when I stand up before them and I preach the Word of God and I reflect on it, I realize often my own brokenness, and sometimes I share that in relatable stories of how I faced some difficulty or how I had to let go of something, you know, something along those lines. But even this past Divine Mercy Sunday, I preached on, well, what does mercy actually mean? We say that word so often, but what does it mean? And so really trying to unpack that word and to know that, well, it means forgiven. It means that we have another chance. It means that someone shows us compassion, even when it's maybe undeserved. And I realized, well, I need mercy. Yes, I need to show mercy to others. I have been forgiven. I need to forgive others. And so there's always those practical lessons that we take away just from our daily lives and our experiences that they really speak to us. There was uh, one teacher always said that the preacher always first preaches to himself and then yeah. to everybody else. And, and maybe that's the same thing for a mother, for any person in their vocation, that what we put forward is really meant for us, but then we share it and it impacts uh, the people around us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially with our children, but I think also any, anyone in your family you have a close relationship with or a close friend, often the thing that irks you the most about that person is something you see in yourself. Um, so I think even in that, there's that there's a lot of self-reflection and what like what if something is is worrying me or concerning me or bothering me, getting a little bit closer to the root of it. And is it something that's in me that I, like you were saying, need to be forgiven for? Do I need to forgive myself for something? Do I need to accept that God has forgiven me? Do I need to honor his mercy and accept it for the I mean, it's unfathomable. It's hard to understand it. Um, but can I try to accept that a little bit more and see where it takes me? I think, so the book is definitely, I mean, it says catholicmom.com on the front of it. So it's, it's geared towards Catholic moms, but, um, the idea goes beyond that. I think it really is. I think at its heart, it's a book more about vocation and it's about how God is calling to you. And to me, he's calling to me through the ways that I'm interacting with young children right now in my life. But in other stages of my life, he's going to call to me in kind of different, you know, when my kids are older, he's going to call to me in a different way through them. And just remembering that it's as much about my journey as it is about theirs, not in a selfish way, not in a prideful, or I'm not going to keep catechizing my children, but they see the things that my husband and me do. Like even to the point that we, my husband and I both uh, run, he runs a lot faster than I do. <laughs> Um, like almost twice as fast as I do. Um, but we both get out there and do it. And we see our kids wanting to do that too. So if they're even mimicking, you know, let's do a seven, it's so cute, my seven-year-old, let's do a seven-minute workout. Do you want to do a seven-minute workout right now? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, all right. Um, but even in those things, if they're mimicking us in those, then they're going to see when mommy and daddy take some quiet time for prayer. And they're going to see when we make an effort to go to confession when that's available and spiritual reading and the way that we conduct ourselves at mass, all those things, they're going to take in all those things too, but we can't do them just to show them kind of going through the motions. This is what it looks like. If we're really living it, then I think that is the most efficacious way to have our children want to live that way as adults too. They need to see the joy and they need to see that we're not finished being formed yet. Um, and I hope my hope is that that will inspire them to want this life that 
that my husband and I have chosen, not necessarily being married and having children, um, but following Christ and being a part of the church and being active and having a real interior life that we're both still trying to build. But I think that leading by example, we really have to let our our lives guide them. And they need, they'll see it and they'll pick up on stuff whether we want them to or not. So we better be conscientious about what we're letting them pick up on. In your book, you have 15 different chapters, maybe 16 if you count the epilogue, I am so proud of you. So the 16 different phrases that you focus on, I guess, um, out of all of them, which one is the one that maybe is your favorite or the one that you enjoyed writing the most or the one that you've needed to hear the most? <laughs> Those are all different questions. I know. <laughs> the, the one Pick I need one. to hear most is still be patient and please go to bed because <laughs> I, I stay up much too late, uh, much too often. Um, there were a couple of chapters. I actually had to kind of restrain myself from not writing too many times about our son, Ethan, who uh, is our second child, but we lost a miscarriage at about um, somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks. And the experience of losing him was has been the thing that has most allowed me to see how I can lean on God. Um, I had faith before, um, and my husband and I have always, we met at our, our uh, youth group in high school, and Christ has always been at the center of our relationship. So that has definitely been a boon to my faith. But carrying this child and losing him and understanding him as best we can to be a saint who intercedes for us has been the thing that's drawn me the closest because I was so broken and I was so empty in a certain way. I still, my oldest child was uh, six, about 16 months old, so I still had someone who needed me to get up every morning and do all the things. Um, but nothing else has allowed me, has, has made me feel so broken and lost and unsure um, and just like a tired, you know, that grief can just make you really tired. Um, but I had the sense right from the start, right from when I found out that he wasn't with us anymore that there was some peace that he was where he was supposed to be and that I was where I was supposed to be and that somehow we were going to get through this. Um, and I think my relationship with Mary really changed then too. Before I had kids, I kind of understood the church's understanding of Mary, but not nearly the way I do now, and which still has a long way to go. Um, but understanding her, relating to her as a mom, especially because my first couple of children have been boys, um, I can kind of kind of keep that in mind. Um, but then knowing that she not only was a mother, but she also suffered and she knows she lost a child. And that really allowed me to draw closer to her too. And clearly it was in a very different way. She had time with him on earth. She watched him die a brutal death. So those things, they're different. You can't compare them. But the fact that she knows her mother's heart knows what that loss is like really allowed me to draw closer to her. And your chapter in your book, On the Blessed Virgin as Our Mother, it's the phrase, it's okay, mommy's here. And right. isn't that the case, that Mary is with us as our spiritual mother, that she's been with us in her different apparitions when she's appeared in varied places uh, throughout the world, throughout time. Mommy was with us, giving a message, helping us. But even in our 
darkest moments in our time of need and time of sickness, Mary is with us. She's here with us. You know, so often people will call upon the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, when they are in a desperate case, when they have some urgent petition, they know who to go to. I'll never forget when I was in Belgium, I was uh, interviewing a rector of a shrine there, and the rector said, people will never forget the address of the Blessed Mother. They'll always know where mom lives when they need her. And so it's okay, mommy's here. Uh, I'm sure that deals a little bit with the intercessory nature uh, of the Blessed Virgin. Yeah, so that chapter deals with my mom and my grandma as well. my grandmother converted to Catholicism largely to marry my grandfather, as I understand the story. Um, and I mean, she was there for the sacraments and she had something of a faith, but it wasn't super active. We didn't pray the rosary together as a family, anything like that. Um, but she, when she was 98 years old, she, she passed away after a couple of months in hospice. We thought it would be two or three days and it was th- three months. Um, and she was lucid and she was with us for a lot of that time. And she told us a lot of stories um, and she laughed with us. And it was it was a really beautiful time to spend with her. And something I noticed is that she always had rosary beads next to her. And she had a little glasses case and, um, you know, her, her water with a straw and a couple other things on her little table. And there was always a rosary there. And I don't, I mean, we never talked, we didn't really, I don't know, I don't know we ever talked about the rosary while she was alive, um, but I saw it with her, and I knew that my mom, this is my mom's mom, when my mom went to visit her in hospice, she was praying the rosary on the way there every time, you know, and and seeing their example, these two women that I love so much, um, and who had taught me so much about what it was to be a woman, and what it was to be a mom, and just what it was to be a good human, um, they showed me that they were going to their mother because something was scary and hard um, and they wanted peace and comfort. And the same way that, you know, when I lost my baby and I, I called my mom, that was, you know, it was one of the first things I do. It's time I need to call my mom, you know, and there's been a lot of things in my life that, okay, I, I, what's mom going to say? I just need to hear her voice. I just need to be close to her right now. And the fact that these women, even this woman who's 98 years old, um, she still needs to go to her mother. And it was just such a solid example for me that as an adult, that part of our being children of God doesn't go away. And we don't have to be ashamed of it or think it's infantile or anything. It's one of those childlike things that we're called to. You talk about the rosary and seeing the rosary of your grandmothers. And uh, for me, I know that my grandmother, she was very devoted to the rosary. I saw her praying the rosary so often. I can't say that I probably prayed it with her, and I guess that's probably the same for you. Uh, but yeah. as, you're, as you're raising your kids now, um, is that a prayer maybe that you incorporate into your family? Probably not all five decades, but does the rosary have some uh, place uh, in your family prayer life? Yes, it does, um, and largely guided by my husband's devotion to it. Um, and, and my devotion to it as well, but his is, uh, his is deeper. His is, if it's 11 o'clock and he didn't pray his rosary yet, he's going to pray that before he goes to bed. I'm going to say it knowing that I'm going to fall asleep (laughs) and he's going to walk around and make sure that he gets through it. Um, so largely by his example. Um, but when we were driving to school, the kids and I would say a decade, uh, every morning. So throughout the course of the week, we'd say a whole set of mysteries. And now that we're home, um, we've been saying the full rosary 
every night together. And I think it is making an enormous difference in how we're handling this and how there's still, I mean, relative peace in our home. Uh, there's still kids or kids. Um, and I still need to get back to that chapter on patience. But um, it is something that's part of our family. And to the point that our two-year-old wants to lead a decade. Um, and every one of them has done it. Like they've all learned it just because they've seen us doing it. And I was amazed when our first child started saying the prayers with us. I was like, how does he know? We didn't teach him this, but we did. Because then we we lived in Brooklyn and my husband worked in the city. And um, and so his commute was shorter. We live in New Jersey now. The, normally, the um, we don't have time in the evening for our full rosary as a family. But then we did. And, and he learned it just by example. And I've watched every one of our children learn that around the time they're two, they want to start leading it. Um, and it's super cute. And he doesn't get all the words in there. Um, but he demands to lead the first <laughs> every night. I do it. I do it. I do it. Ha, Mary. Fogues. And it's just so sweet. And he doesn't get all the words in. We're trying to kind of teach him <laughs> what the rest of the prayer is. But at the same time, I just think Mama Mary is rejoicing that this little one wants to be part of this prayer. So it's definitely part of our lives. And, you know, there's there's whining and complaining and people don't want to. And, you know, put down that stuffed narwhal is a thing that I've said during the rosary now. Um, but I think it's something that my kids are going to remember. And even if I don't, you know, I, don't, I can't guarantee where their lives are going to take them or how devoted they will remain to the faith as they grow up. And I have my hopes and we're trying to do what I can. But I think this will be a part of their memory and their understanding that the things in our family that worked, they worked because this was a big part of our lives. You know, there's something very special about a child praying and there's an innocence there, a purity. And so I'm sure you're right. The Blessed Mother just has a great smile on her face when her children, even little children, begin to foster that devotion. Now, there, there'll be other moms that will be listening to this from my parish, from other places, uh, other followers and whatnot. And maybe they think that carving out that time in the family life to pray the rosary might be a little difficult. Uh, maybe they just don't know how to fit it in or how that would take place or they can't handle the chaos that might happen. What, yeah. what might you say to them to encourage them to take that leap of faith? Yeah, I think finding the time of day that works for you and and the amount of the rosary that you can do. I we were trying when we first when my kids first started going to the school that they're at now, we we I tried to make a rosary happen every morning. And we had maybe a 15, 16 minute drive to school. So I <laughs> get back on it. You can't get distracted. Da -da -da. You have to, you know, trying to make sure we could squeeze it all in right before we pulled into the parking lot. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't the right way to go. Um, so when we relaxed a little bit and said, okay, we can do a decade each day, um, it, it made it fit in better and we still had time to talk to each other or maybe listen to a podcast or listen to some music or something, or the kids could read a little bit and kind of get ready for the day. And not that, I mean, obviously prayer is very important, but, but stuffing it in, I don't think was teaching them the right thing about prayer. And I think it was, it was definitely aggravating me, which was, I was not in a peaceful place. So I think in that finding that that smaller bit of it helped. Um, and also we've, we've listened to a couple of audiobooks about, uh, one about St. John Paul II and one about the children of Fatima and the kids. So the kids have heard these stories of how St. John Paul II, um, before he was, I guess, I'm not sure if he was bishop yet or not, but with his young adult groups, he would have 
kids, uh, the, 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 the young adults say each day a decade a day. And they assigned the decades to people so that even in the, the situation they were in in Poland, they could have a living rosary and do a decade a day. So my kids are aware that this is not something that I came up with. <laughs> it was someone else's idea, and they love JP2. Um, and they've listened to the story of the Fatima children a number of times as well, and they know that Mama Mary asked us to say the rosary. And so sometimes I'll tell them, this is not mommy telling you, you need to do this right now. This is Mama Mary telling us, this is important for us to do. So kind of not making it a chore that I have assigned them, but letting them see that it's a part of the bigger church. Um, and like I said, like we could do a decade before, now we can do the whole thing. Sometimes after one decade, it's too late and the little one goes to bed. Um, so giving everyone some room, um, and we also have a bunch of different books, One, some that go bead by bead. So each um, each uh, prayer, you turn a page and there's another picture there. So like there's 10 pictures for the feast, for the nativity and each one for each of the Hail Marys to keep the kids engaged in what they're doing. So there's a ton of great resources out there as well or coloring pages or something. I think even just letting them hear it and be in the room and be part of it without forcing them, teaching them without forcing them, right? Um, I think letting each child kind of come to it in their time while still making a point that this is part of our family's identity, I hope will be successful. Those are really great suggestions. I really like the idea of them maybe even just coloring. They're maybe not engaged in the rosary prayer, but they're hearing it. And maybe then yeah. they begin to say those words. I'm curious, the John Paul II audiobook and, and Our Lady of Fatima audiobook, did you find those on formed.org or uh, they were just something that you had? They are through Holy Heroes, which you and I were chatting about before we started recording. So they're okay. audio stories um, that are told in a dramatic way, you know, so there's different voices telling the story. Um, and they're super engaging. I love listening to them, too. Um, they, I don't know. They have 14 or 15 of them now. And some of them are two stories in an, on a disc. Um, and JP2 and this, uh, I think it's called The Secrets from Fatima. Those are each a full disc. So they're maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes. Um, but the kids love them. Sure. They ask for them. Like, this is great. You know, we're going down the shore on vacation, and they ask for these things. So... I'm definitely going to link to Holy Heroes in the show notes so that people can find it and, and maybe begin to use that wonderful resource uh, that's available to us. Maybe the last thing uh, about your book that I noticed that I really appreciate is uh, the domestic church, that really that comes alive uh, a little bit in your book, this idea that what we see happen in the church should be mirrored in our family life, or that we bring what we experience at Mass on Sunday, we bring that back into our homes, we begin to live it. And that's what you're trying to do with these little lessons and finding the spiritual lesson for each one. But then even the domestic church aspect would be on confession and forgiveness. You need to say, I'm sorry. So, so that teaches not only the child and us, but it reminds us of the fact that, well, we do need forgiveness. And we have to say, I'm sorry to God, and we have to say, I'm sorry to others. You have the yeah. communion of saints there. So when we go to church, we see the images of Mary and the patron saint of our church and other saints that might be in the little area. We light the candle. And so we rely on the help of the saints and on their prayers, maybe St. Anthony, especially when we lose something. So they're mm. just really great reminders. And then, you know, the very title of your book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You. Well, that's the very meaning of the word Eucharist. Eucharist means to give thanks. And so... 
So when we offer our own Thanksgiving, it's really a, a prolongation of, of the Mass in a, in a certain sense, that Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. And so when we give thanks to other people, well, we're living the Eucharist to a certain degree. So that's just a, a really beautiful thing that I see coming forth from your book and how it really can help families and especially the mothers to, to begin to see their, their life as mothers uh, and, uh, through a spiritual lens to really make it a spiritual practice, their way of mothering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I actually didn't choose that title. That was not the initial. My title was how many times have I told you this? Oh, <laughs> Which sure. A little more accusatory and a little bit long. Um, but my editor noticed that there's a theme of gratitude throughout the book that I was not intentional. But um, I love that. And yeah, the, the, the fact that it draws to the Eucharist. Um, and I talk about how we try to get to daily mass when it's possible. Um, and I think those things are really just through practice and through time have become an ingrained part of who we are as people and who, who our family is. Um, yeah, so that, but now when my kids go trick-or-treating, I call up to them, don't forget to say thank you, don't forget to say thank you. And I feel like I'm marketing, which is not <laughs> what I need to be doing. Oh. oh, that's great. Well, great. It's been wonderful to talk to you about your book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You, available from Ave Maria Press. And before I let you go, one of the things I like to do with uh, with guests is to really just build a Marian profile so that people can be introduced to different aspects of who Mary is or devotion or titles and, and whatnot. And uh, so I just have a few kind of rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Let's uh, do it. The Ready. first would be, what is your favorite title of Mary? She's a woman of many names. I think Mama Mary, our Blessed Mother, to be more for formal. But, um, you know, if a, if a if a kiddo's having trouble sleeping at night or if I'm going through something and I need a little help, it's Mama Mary. Where are you? I need you. That's great. And then in the church, we have sacramentals. So sometimes we carry them with us. It might be the rosary and we might wear them like a scapular or a miraculous medal or something of that nature. Is there any sacramental that you're uh, that you have a close fondness for? I have a couple of rosaries that friends have given me, friends who are not practicing Catholics, but they knew that my faith was important to me. And so one, one is from Mexico um, and it's made of string. And so it's a, that one stays in the car. Um, and another one is one that two friends were in a trip uh, on a trip in Ireland and they brought me. Um, so just knowing that they, they thought about me and they, they knew the importance of, of my faith to me. And it reminds me to pray for them as I'm using them. That's great. Yeah. Sometimes we have those special rosaries. I, I continue to pray on a rosary that I bought in Lourdes in 2016. There was a, a father and his 16-year-old daughter who had cancer, and she's passed away now. But uh, them and a friend and I, I took them to Lourdes on a little pilgrimage there, and we went through France. And so I bought a rosary there. I just really love it. But it's also just a reminder of that holy experience uh, with that family as they were going through that. So definitely the rosary can be that reminder for us. There's lots of different Marian prayers. For example, the Hail Mary is perhaps the most popular one, but there are many other prayers. Some are scripted, like the Memorari or others. Uh, do you have a favorite Marian prayer? I think it's a tie, because I do love the Hail Mary, and I go to that outside of the rosary quite often. Um, and it's a song that we, we sing that we have the sung version of it that we sing to our kids at bedtime. Um, but also uh, the Marian consecration prayer. So I did the consecration to Mary a few years ago. 
I can't even remember. I thought I wrote it down which feast day I did it and what year I did it. But if I did, I can't find it. Um, but I did uh, Marian Consecration for Children with our kids a few years ago. Again, on the way to school, we'd read the kid who could read <laughs> was reading the, the 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 readings and the prayers to us in this wonderful book for children. Was that from um, Carrie Grest? Is that, it, did, it, is that the version you used? Yes. And the first couple chapters start with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which the kids already knew. It was just a, it's a beautiful book. We've actually been through it twice. Um, so now we have a short um, consecration prayer that we pray in the morning uh, before our days kind of get started. So I think that would be my other one because we all say it together. Um, and it's something that ties us close to her in a, in a more intimate way every day. Yeah, there's a unity within the family as you pray it together. There's, uh, you know, with the rosary, lots of people find it monotonous or long, or repetitive, all of these things. Uh, beside the rosary tip that you already gave about praying with families, is there anything that helps you pray the rosary better? I wish I had a good answer to that. I think I'm still finding it. I have a couple of books on the shelf of, um, there's one of praying with John Paul II, one of praying with Pope Francis, and different scriptural meditations. And I think those do help me. Um, but it's just not a stage of life for when I'm praying the rosary. It's not normally by myself and a time when I have two hands to hold a book and a rosary. Sure. There's lots of different references to Mary in the sacred scriptures. Uh, of course, we meet her at the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Nativity, and so forth. Uh, is there a favorite Marian passage of scripture that, that draws you in? Hmm. Either the Magnificat, because it's just so beautiful, um, or the Visitation, um, in part because when my kids and I did make the, the act of consecration, it was on the Feast of the Visitation. Um, and also just the idea of a child leaping in Elizabeth's womb. Um, I'm expecting right now, and I was telling my husband last night when our, our baby was kicking, this is the best part. Like the best part of being pregnant is is feeling that little life, and I can just imagine that because I've I've been pregnant. Like I can imagine what Elizabeth felt, um, and so that one just feels very close to home. Okay, for sure. And there's lots of Marian apparitions. She's appeared all throughout the world. She's even appeared close to my home in Wisconsin in Champion. Is there a favorite Marian apparition of yours? I think I'd have to go with Fatima. Um, probably because I know the most about it and it feels so relevant to our times. Um, and in addition to listening to that audio story, my kids also have, and this sounds a little, a little, uh, irreverent, but I promise it's not our lady of Fatima, the graphic novel. Sure. Um, and so we've read that a jillion times also. And I just know the story well because of the time that we've spent with it. And the, that she asks us to pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. And she asks us to pray for the conversion of sinners. It just feels so relevant and timely. And I feel, I think I feel the closest to her in that because it feels like she understands the time that we're in the most closely. For sure. And with, uh, with the blessed mother, there are lots of different shrines. So, of course, an apparition site has a church. It's a shrine. But there are these devotional titles of Mary and other shrines. I don't know if you have one by your house or not, but is there a Marian shrine you've visited that that you enjoyed your visit to? We had one on our list, but we didn't get there. Over Easter break, we were planning to go to Washington, D.C., 
um, to the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, which I'm not sure if that fits in that category. Um, yes, lots of people have said that on the show as a, as an answer, and I really think it does because downstairs in that crypt there are all those altars to the Blessed Virgin. That is a shrine to Mary like none other. So that was that was definitely on our list, and it just didn't happen because of what's happening in the world right now. Um, but that's the one I'm, I'm kind of most excited to go see. I don't know that I've seen any others, actually, in real life. Sure. And uh, there's lots of books about the Blessed Mother. You've read a book with your children. They, there are several of them, audio and, and others. Uh, is there a book about Mary that you would recommend? I would definitely. I think there's kind of the, the trifecta of books of consecration to Mary, and one being that the book for children, which is fabulous, and I got so much out of as an adult as well. Um, I had done the 33 day, uh, 33 days to morning glory, which I'm, I imagine has been brought up on your show a number of times before. Sure. That one was great, um, but after I, I think I maybe the second time through it, I really wanted to go deeper and learn more, so I tried last year, maybe the year before, to actually read St. Louis de Montfort's uh, book and his, uh, his true devotion to Mary and go through that. And that is way deeper. Um, so yes. I'm somewhere in between the two of those right now. Maybe that's why the book about children appealed to me so much. Um, but yeah, if I were going to recommend something to them, I think I would say one of those three you know, Where? for the Marian consecration, there was one that is really in the spirit of St. Louis de Montfort, written by a de Montfort priest, uh, Father Hugh Gillespie. And uh, I think it's preparation for total consecration or whatever. But uh, I found that to be a very good, like, midway between Gately and then going deeper into de Montfort, but not going to de Montfort yet. So, but... I think that I might need to find that one. I think that's where I am right now. Sure. And lastly, when we go to Mass on a holy day like the Feast of the Immaculate Conception or Mary, Mother of God, or the Assumption, we always sing Marian hymns. Is there a hymn that you always hope that they might sing at that Mass? Ooh, there's, yes, I love Immaculate Mary. Um, and my kids also, we've listened to it a number of times, just on YouTube, um, the version of Hail Holy Queen from Sister Act. Oh, sure. Yeah, I love it. Um, my kids love that. They love to clap and sing and dance, and it just gets them so excited about it. Um, so I recognize that it's not going to be played that way during Mass, and I don't think it should be. Um, but I like to sing that one in the car on the way home. Wonderful. Well, that's so great. And, uh, you know, if people want to learn more about you, Lindsay, how can they do that? Sure. So uh, my website is lindsayschlegel.com. I know it's hard to spell. Rhymes with bagel. Sorry. Um, you can choose who you're married, but you can't choose his last name. Um, and I'm online on Instagram at lindsayschlegs. And you can find me on Facebook. Um, all the links to that, everything is on my website. Um, and if I may, I'm actually starting a virtual book club for Don't Forget to Say Thank You. So that will go uh, from mid-April through the end of May, and we're just going to talk about a chapter on Facebook Live a couple of times a week. I think we all need, us moms in particular, need the reminder right now that we are daughters of God, and, and our being mothers does not negate that, but he's calling to us as much now in this situation as he ever has been. Well, that's great. Yeah, I hope so many people benefit from that, and I'll be sure to recommend it uh, to people that I know 
Hopefully people can acquire the book from Ave Maria Press or wherever they get their books. And uh, it's also available on Kindle, which makes it a little more convenient uh, for our time today, uh, given the coronavirus. So thank you so much, Lindsay. What a lovely conversation we've had about you as a mother and wife and, and also just a devotee of the Blessed Mother. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was a joy. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney, L-O-O-N-E-Y. If you like this podcast, please leave a review so others might be able to find it too on whatever platform that you listen on. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.